Hello, I'm Philip Sales. In this video, I'll be interviewing Stephen Laws, uh, First Parliamentary Council, uh, about how Parliamentary Council sets about drafting an Act of Parliament. Stephen, what happens when a set of instructions arrives in the Office of Parliamentary Council? The, the practice is the Government Department will send a set of instructions to me, the First Parliamentary Council, uh, and ask uh, for a drafter to be allocated to the bill. Uh, th that's the theory. In practice, uh, quite often we know the instructions are coming and there's been some preliminary work and I will have chosen someone. Uh, but uh, essentially, as soon as I know that a bill uh, is needed, I will try to put together a team of drafters from the office who will work on the bill. Uh, traditionally, we, we divided ourselves into a number of teams of two and operated more or less a cab rank uh, system for allocating bills. But what tends to happen now, we, in larger numbers is that I, I put together a team, I decide how many drafters it would be uh, appropriate to work on a bill. Uh, we sometimes have as many as uh, five or six working on the annual finance bill. On the other hand, a short bill uh, will only have two. We, we try not to have individual drafters working together because we, we operate what we call the four eyes principle, that everything that leaves the office should be read by uh, the person who drafted it, of course, and, and another drafter for, for checking purposes. So I put together a team and I send them the instructions and then they get in touch with the department uh, about how they will proceed with the drafting. How does a drafting team set about the task of drafting a bill? Uh, well, uh, the, the first task, task, of course, is to, to read the instructions and to decide what's wanted. Very often the team will want to meet uh, indeed I think it's best practice for the team to meet with the departmental team in order to talk round the issues that arise out of the instructions uh, and also generally to get a, a picture of um, w what the uh, political uh, purpose is behind the legislation um, and what the various constraints are on the department. They will read the instructions uh, and then normally there are questions of various sorts. Um, different drafters working in different ways uh, some drafters will uh, start the thinking process by roughing out a draft and, and um, using that as the basis for discussion. Others will go through a long uh, list of uh, question and answers with the department uh, on the instructions. What are the factors the drafter has to take into account when analysing the instructions? Um, the, there are a, a number of factors. Uh, I mean, there are uh, questions of uh, consistency with the existing uh, law, uh, consistency between propositions within uh, the instructions. Uh, the process of analysis operates at various levels. There is the level of uh, sort of logical consistency. Uh, but one of the main factors I, I think that affects drafting is the need to take account of the fact uh, that um, people's behaviour will change. If you operate on one particular aspect of their behaviour, they may change uh, other behaviours. Everybody knows that uh, you can't rely on um, everybody buying the same uh, amount of cigarettes if you put up the tax on cigarettes. The, the, the profit from putting the, the tax up is affected by the fact that some people will stop buying them. And that affects all sorts of other things as well. Um, if you change uh, behaviour in one area to stop something that people are doing, there may be something else they're not doing at the moment that you wouldn't want them to do, but they might start doing it if you've prohibited the thing they are doing, and that, that's an aspect of it too. Is there much of an exchange of views between the drafting team and the department once you've received a set of instructions? Yes, there's, a, there's certainly an iterative process. Most, most bills go through at least three or four drafts. 
with the, 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 the initial questioning process before the first draft is pr produced. And then the first draft will go out and the department will read it and consult people and will decide that um, there are aspects of it that don't do exactly what it, they want or they will decide that uh, in the light of the draft that perhaps they would like to change the policy. And there's, a, uh, there's an exchange between the drafter and the departmental team. Do you have to say that you're not able to draft something? Well, there are few laws that limit, oh, very few laws that limit what can be said in legislation. The doctrine of parliamentary sovereignty means that Parliament can do what it's like, what it likes. So we, we don't uh, tend to say uh, this is something you cannot do for legal reasons. There's the Human Rights Act, there's uh, European law, but uh, th that apart, uh, we don't say that um, the law prevents you from doing this because it, it doesn't. But what we often do need to say is that there are risks involved in approaching a problem in a particular way uh, that um, might impact on the effectiveness of what we draft and that, there are th that uh, maybe the department should think about other ways of doing something. How long does the drafting process take? Well, it, it, I think the um, smart answer is um, always, always longer than you think it's going to take uh, because uh, the, the process is quite slow. Uh, a long 100-page um, bill, say, m might take as long as 10 weeks just to produce the first draft uh, because the, the process, first of all, of doing the analysis, the thinking, uh, and then producing it in words that are unequivocal uh, is a long process. Uh, and then there is the exchange uh, of drafts that follows on that, and that, that sometimes is, is shorter, but uh, it's still quite a, a lengthy period to produce a bill. What factors do you consider when deciding how to structure a bill? Uh, well, there are an, a number of factors. I mean, th one of the, the first, of course, is to try and put the legislation in a comprehensible form for the, the, the reader and the courts. Uh, but there are also parliamentary considerations in that the, the bill will, will need to pass through Parliament and will need to be debated. So, for example, it, it would be inappropriate to have the same issue dealt with in a number of different clauses so that each clause gave rise to the same sort of debate. So uh, you, you take that into account as well. Do you have a set of precedents or other guidance that determines how you draft? Uh, we, we don't have a, a set of precedents e except the statute book itself, which is a, a large um, book of precedents. But we, we tend to find that everything we do is by definition new and that needs to be thought through from the beginning again. Uh, we, since we've grown in size, we have got some drafting guidance on uh, various techniques and they can be found on our website um, and we give guidance on, uh, on questions of um, plain plainness and simplicity. Um, we uh, have adopted a practice of gender-neutral drafting and we've given some guidance on that and, as I say, can be found on our website. What is your approach to the language of the statute book? Do you try to use plain language drafting? Yes, we, we do. We, uh, I, I think um, uh, statutes are often thought to be written in sort of loyal legalese, but um, in fact the uh, pressure on us is to produce uh, legislation that is comprehensible because it is discussed by politicians who are not all, all or even most of them lawyers uh, and that they need to be able to understand it so it's very important that we should try and make the language as uh, plain as possible uh, again with a lot of things there is a balance that needs to be struck between uh, consistency with the past because uh, lawyers rely on 
the fact that the language is consistent with the past and it, when it's intended to mean the same thing, and moving on with the language as the language develops and as new techniques are uh, devised uh, in order to produce w what is as clear as possible to the reader. And what traps is it important to avoid when drafting? Well, there are a number of traps that you, y you learn early on. Um, um, there's the one where you, you should be careful not to um, provide for something uh, that happens before a date and after a date and then forget to have provided for the date itself. Um, and there are uh, difficulties with plurals and um, singulars and there are, are words like any that are uh, ambiguous when you get cl close uh, into drafting because it can mean all or it can mean a, a single one. And these are techniques that drafters pick up quite quickly. And then there are the, the, the bigger traps you, you fall into later of um, uh, assuming... I, I think the biggest trap you can fall into is the, the, the trap of assuming that uh, whoever is reading your statute will read it benevolently, because that is uh, certainly not what happens in practice. <laughs> what tips would you give to someone trying to draft the bill? Uh, I, I, I think to recognise that... I, I think the main tip... The tip I, I give to most people is to recognise that they have a, a plain sheet of paper. And we spoke about precedence earlier. Uh, and uh, it is a, a great mistake to think that you have to draw in bits of the existing law, that you have to rely on the fact that the law is where it is. The difference for us is most lawyers um, are involved in finding a line uh, that has been drawn, perhaps by us. Uh, we are involved in drawing the line itself and we don't have to um, be constrained by existing structures. Uh, we can say what, exactly what we mean in a straightforward way. What is the audience for your work? Well, ultimately, I suppose it's the Supreme Court, because if our statute doesn't mean what we intend it to mean when it, it reaches the S Supreme Court, that is certainly a failure. Uh, but on the other hand, it's not enough to write a, a statute that is comprehensible to the Supreme Court, but not comprehensible to any of the other people that have to operate it in the meantime. So there are lots of audiences that, that, within those who are looking at the Act. And again, there is the parliamentary audience for the bill. So we have to try and look at all these um, audiences, remembering that um, it must still work when it reaches the Supreme Court. Drafting is sometimes criticised as too referential. How do you respond to that criticism? Uh, well, as drafters will, I will respond by saying I'm not quite sure that I know what that means. Uh, I, I think sometimes it means uh, re operating by taking something, an act from the past, and saying it applies as if X with the following modifications. And, and I don't think that is regarded, um, except where it's, you know, it's the only possible way to do something, as, as best practice. Sometimes, though, the expression is used in a wider sense to uh, refer to the practice of textual amendment, so that uh, an act will only uh, operate by uh, taking an existing statute, leaving out some words and putting in another, so that the, the reader has to have the, the original act there and to, to, to do the cutting and pasting. Uh, and I think that it, t textual amendment is the way that we tend to operate uh, now and have done for the last 30 years or so, um, and is, I, I, I think, um, defensible these days with so much uh, electronic work done on, on reprinting statutes um, so that you can see the effect on it. Although for the parliamentarian it's sometimes difficult and I know that the, the National Archives are working at techniques for 
making it easier for people to see how the the um, the bill will operate on the law as it stands. Drafting's also uh, often criticised for excessive complexity or for being too detailed. Do you think that's fair? Well, sometimes I think it is, and um, I think sometimes when legislation is passed in a hurry, uh, it is difficult to, um, to to spend the extra time that's needed in order to to clarify it. And somebody, I forget who it was, who said Duke that, of Wellington. That, that, uh, uh, sorry, his letter was so long, um, but he didn't have time to write a short one. Yes, um, and that's true of legislation. But there are other factors that contribute to complexity. Uh, one of them is uh, a desire for fairness. Very often complexity uh, results from a desire to, to make sure that everybody's um, case is taken into consideration. And sometimes that's justifiable and, and sometimes it isn't. Uh, the sort of complexity that is, should be avoided is the, the complexity that makes the statute so complex that in fact people operate as a different rule in practice because that that's the only simple one that will work in practice. That definitely needs to be avoided. And sometimes the subject matter is extremely complex. Remember drafting provisions about foreign exchange instruments, and I'm not sure that it would be possible to draft a provision about foreign exchange instruments, taxation of foreign exchange instruments, in a way that was straightforward and comprehensible to everybody. If there is more than one audience, how do you reconcile the needs of the different audiences? Well, uh, as I say, the, the, one has to have regard to the ultimate audience, the Supreme Court. Um, but it's a question of balance uh, and, uh, and judgment, I think. And a, a lot of drafting is about judgment. Uh, there are people who read statutes for different purposes. There are people who read them, as they do in Parliament, in order to get an overall picture of how the law will operate for a, a class of people. And then there's the, the solicitor in his office who has a case in front of him and wants to um, uh, treat it as a formula that he can put his his facts into the statute and, and come up with an answer. And statutes need to be drafted in different ways for that. And there are people who read statutes in order to find out how they change the law, which is ultimately all a statute can do. It can only change the law. But then there are people who read it in order to find out um, what the law is. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I know... I know from drafting finance bills that established practitioners always like to see what the change is, but quite often their uh, their trainees will want to uh, read the law from the beginning so that they, they can learn it all in the first instance. There's a different audiences and a judgment. It will depend on the subject matter. Sometimes. Is there a difference between drafting a bill and drafting govern, government amendments for the House? Uh, well, in principle, you're... you're you're doing the same thing. You're, you're doing what you did before introduction, but uh, in a more formal way, which is to, to change the draft. Uh, but uh, the, the um, parliamentary considerations mean that it's, it's usually necessary to try and do the amendment in a way that re requires doing the least violence to the rest of the bill, because the rest of the bill will by then have been settled and agreed. So you need to try and isolate the issue and deal with it in a particular place. So that there are factors that affect how you do it, but essentially you're trying to produce the ultimate text that you would have done if you'd had the opportunity to, to write it all from scratch. Over your career, what do you think have been the main changes in drafting techniques? Well, I think we, we now take more space uh, than we used to, and we write uh, in shorter sentences, and I think are plainer. Um, I, I think those are the main factors. I think it's been influenced a lot by the Tax Law Rewrite Project, and by drafters um, abandoning 
uh, principles that uh, they used to th think were important. Uh, certainly when I first uh, started drafting, 35 years ago or so, um, it was thought very important that every subsection should be self-contained. So um, the subsection 2 would always refer to the notice given under subsection 1. Uh, now it would be much more common to say the notice, uh, allowing the context of subsection 1 to tell you what the notice is. And, and that, in turn, produces more simplicity and, and shorter sentences. In our next video, Stephen will be explaining about pre-legislative scrutiny and the role of parliamentary council as a bill progresses through Parliament.